Welcome to God's Watchmen. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a new listener and don't know where to find us, you can check us out at godswatchmen.com. That is godswatchmen.com, M-E-N. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Tonight, we have another special guest willing to sit down and share a story. It's going to be awesome. Thank you, Rebecca, for coming out tonight. But real quick, before we start, I'd like to share what drew me into asking Rebecca to join us tonight. It turns out that I had a couple of her kids in Kingdom Kids class um, that she fostered, which is really awesome to have somebody out there doing that kind of stuff. And I would really love for us all to hear her story. So may Jesus be glorified through this. So welcome, Rebecca. How are you doing this evening? I am good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you that you could come out and join us and to be willing to share uh, what you have and your story, really. So, uh, yeah, before we get into anything, I'd just like to ask a little bit about yourself, any hobbies you have, any cool places you travel to, or anything unique. Well, my hobbies include scrapbooking and card making so i teach card making classes card um, making card making so like that's like making greeting cards oh sweet so i teach classes i love it and i've had postpartum depression i've had other mm-hmm. bouts of things in my life that i find it very interesting how god allows me to um use this cutting paper coloring you know, stupid stuff <laughs> to yeah. um, be therapy for me to just mm. be able to praise him because he is the creator. So it's just that creativity that really, um, really brings glory back to God. But I, I really enjoy it. So you would say you're interested in artsy stuff. Yes. I was an art minor in college. Mm. So I've done painting. I've taught um, painting and art at our homeschool co-op, so I love that. So, And then as far as traveling, I do love traveling. Not that I've done a whole lot, but mm-hmm. um, one of our favorite favorite times was Israel, All um, right. no doubt. Um, but JJ and I also had done a trip to Europe, and that was very unique in that we were there for 11 days. 11 days. We spent $1,100, which was incredible that $50 a day <laughs> we got to experience a lot because we found great plane fare. And JJ's like, hey, you want to go? And so I said, sure. He's very spontaneous. So it was mm. kind of just a trip that we took and loved it. Spontaneous. Before huh? kids. <laughs> You so have four. The four kids. Four kids. <laughs> so I just want to get back to the greeting card. So I'm expecting on my birthday to have a really fantastic okay. card. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> no my uh, my birthday is May 6th. Mine's so August 27th. I got so three weeks. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but with with the creativity and the art, it's kind of unique. The one question I have wrote here is, what do you like about God's creation? What do you look at in awe? I love nature, all that type of stuff, but really I am fascinated with people's faces. Mm. People's faces. <laughs> what about faces? Uh, what about it? I like I just pretty eyes or Yes, like smiles. especially having kids in your home. Mm. It's just like they're so beautiful. They're just such, you know, a handiwork of God and just even you know, Malachi, I'm just like, wow, God, how did you pick this perfect <laughs> little boy hmm. that I get to just look at every single day? And being an artist, just thinking about um, how you have the same features all throughout your life, but yet you can look at a person and know about what age they are. How hmm. does that work? Like just a few wrinkles, you know, just slight changes. What are you looking at me for? Don't look at me. I'm well, hey. <laughs> because I'm about to ask a question. Amazing <laughs> to see how God does that. And just I it's just fascinating to me. And I have actually painted JJ um several times. And mm-hmm. every single time 
he's looked like a little boy <laughs> because mm. I think when I looked at him, like you like enhance bigger eyes, you know, like mm. things that I'm like, oh, it's that, beautiful. That, and then I make him look like a little a That little might boy. be what you so love funny. about him, the big I know, eyes. I know. So just yeah. funny to me. Uh, so with my couple forehead wrinkles, <laughs> uh, my one or two white beards, crown of glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, okay, we'll we'll stick with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say how old am I? Oh, don't don't put me on the spot. I'm just saying. No, we really want to hear this. <laughs> yeah, one. this is <laughs> I would say you're 28. I'll be 30 in May. Okay. Well, good job. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to ask the question. <laughs> I know how old I am and I don't want to add years. <laughs> And I don't want to get beat. Are, you're not going to ask me how old I am? No. no it's impolite no, to ask a woman yeah. how old she is. I don't care, but. I wouldn't, no, no. You but if you want to volunteer that information, that's on you, but we don't ask. Yes. I am 45. 45. JJ is 49, almost 50 this year. So. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't even guess that one. Yeah. <laughs> But I keep making him look younger, right, in my things, but he's already, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, Rebecca, what do you do for work? I am home all the way. I do my stamping classes that, quote, makes money, but it's more to support my hobby, my therapy. (laughs) Um, Just more to be sane. (laughs) Um, But really, I am full-time all throughout the night because okay. Malachi is still not sleeping through the night. <laughs> all right. So, yep. Is he still getting used to the environment or is he just like to play? Um, we are going to get him checked out gastrointestinal mm. stuff because he was born addicted. So I just want to make sure everything's okay because he eats all throughout the night and I just want to make sure he's okay. Uh, how how did you get started in the card making for therapy? I, and it must be big because you keep talking about it. You got excitement about it. I do want to hear more about this therapy. Uh, how does it bring you? I know you mentioned a little bit. It brings you joy. Or but. when I was fifteen, I went to my first stamping up party, and it was at my sister in law's. What is it? Stamping up. What's it's, it's a company. And I am a demonstrator for them. Okay, stamping up. And I just loved making cards. I'm an artist. I did portraits and all that kind of stuff. That takes a long time to do. Card making, it's like you can get the satisfaction of artwork in a lot shorter time. (laughs) So for me, it was like, this is easier um, to, you know. Quicker, th- quicker thing. But um, when I was in college, I even did, um, you had to do a demonstration uh, for a speech class. And I did card making because I love it. Mm-hmm. Even in, um, for I made all my wedding invitations <laughs> because oh. I just enjoy doing that and I'm cheap. So I <laughs> JJ still believes that this is a way to save money because you can make a card for like 25 <laughs> but all the card making things that you buy that's expensive but still you can give a card um and the, what i love about that is you send cards to encourage other people mm. right so it's something that i get to make enjoy but then i give it to someone else it brings them joy and i always tell them recycle it like because everyone says oh, i hate to throw away a handmade card so just cut off the front, put it on another piece of paper, recycle it. It just It's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. So yeah. I just love cards. It encourages you to just encourage others. Yeah, I definitely can't wait for my birthday. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely want a card, handmade card. Yeah, especially that. I'm putting it in my bed now. The, your heart behind it mm-hmm. to, to bless others, to bring somebody comfort, to bring somebody joy, to laughter, or comfort, because you can make mm-hmm. a card for birthday, mm-hmm. sickness, uh, a marriage, yeah. whatever the case may be, you you can keep on 
going. The gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. That's exciting. Uh, so, Rebecca, how how did you come to know Jesus? You want? I have been very blessed um, in that both sets of my grandparents um, came to Christ in their early marriage. Um, JJ's grandparents were believers. Okay. So, and I'm not saying we don't have dysfunction in our families <laughs> oh, yeah. at all, but there is a huge legacy um, of faith in both of our families. That is just astounding. JJ's grandfather just died a couple weeks ago. He was 98. So like that was the last of our grandparents. Mm. Um, and I just know how much our grandparents prayed for us. Yeah. Um, so that's just an amazing thing, especially passing on to our children. Um, but I grew up in a family that knew the Lord. Um, I know I came to Christ very early on. Mm -hmm. Now I have a memory of my sister, um, asking me if I wanted to accept Jesus. And I remember telling her I already did that, <laughs> but I can't remember the first time because I know it was yeah. very early. Um, and as well, I think that's, the same uh, with my biological children. Um, my niece had passed away, and that was kind of an opportunity where we talked about where she was and how how do we come mm -hmm. to go to heaven. Um, and so I know they were like three and five when that, that night um, that they accepted Christ. So um, I am a big proponent of sharing your faith all the time and even though it's not like this huge moment of this is how I was and now I'm, you know, turned to Christ, yeah. there is um, just such blessing in just um, accepting early on and growing in your faith. And I do have many moments of really coming to an age where you understand it more fully and more fully. So I have those moments in mm. my life that I just remember crying and crying, just thinking about what Christ did for me. But as far as the original moment, I know I was very young. Sweet. Yeah. That's great. Uh, you talked about your niece mm -hmm. and kids, little one. My niece, she's three and a half. And on Easter Sunday, we were at my dad's. And my sister doesn't go to church, but my mom always takes Hadley. Mm-hmm places and we're at dinner and all you hear is Hadley sitting there Jesus loves me that I know and she just kept singing it mm -hmm. and my sister like I said that doesn't go to church isn't against it says that's her favorite song Aww. and it's from my mom mm -hmm. her grandparent mm -hmm. praying for her taking her to church and uh I think what's neat. amazing is with little kids, the innocence of it all, because <clears throat> what we perceive that they don't understand, mm -hmm. they fully understand, you know, because she knows Jesus loves her. And it's not just because the Bible tells her so. You know, I think his Holy Spirit tells her every single day, I love you, Hadley. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so she knows this truth. And here's the thing, your sister may not go to church now, but she keeps hearing Hadley sing and things like that. That is a witness mm -hmm. to her because yeah. she's getting a truth. And at some point, God's going to go, hey, you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> she, you know? It amazes me how God uses children. Mm -hmm. Using a three-and-a-half-year-old to minister mm -hmm. to adults in their home, which is blows my mind. So anyways, Rebecca, uh, what do you love about your husband? What do you love about J.J.? Well, I always say um, I had a list of what I wanted in a husband, mm -hmm. and I was blessed with two older brothers that really poured into me. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was like, oh, I would like him to be like this or like this. And I think that God gave me a man that was way more exciting than the list I had. <laughs> wow, because, that's cool. Because, um, I wouldn't have put 
the the weirdness <laughs> and uniqueness of my yeah. husband in there. So the that would have been born boring. Um, JJ is very funny, very silly, um, spontaneous, um, loves having fun. So it's I think I'm definitely more structured than he is, but we work well together. So nice, awesome. And How of did- course. I mean, when we were dating, he wrote me eight songs. So come on oh, now. Oh, he that, wrote that you was pretty what? amazing. Eight songs. So. Does he still there's sing only, them? There's only one that he will like still that, sing? that's stuck. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I think yeah, and yeah, he's. At least he remembered kids. one. Well, it's not that he. I mean, that's just the yeah. one. I think yeah. it's best one that he just still sings. No, that's so. that's cool. Wrote eight songs. That's, that's romantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How how did you guys find each other, and how old were you? So my brother David um, met JJ through a band. My brother was part of the band, was the lead guitarist, and he quit the band. They asked JJ to replace because they had a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead singer had a birthday party, and she invited both guitarists. And so my brother met JJ and... Evidently, they had a strong feeling about him. So he and his wife went out to the parking lot and said, you know who would be good for for him is Rebecca. So they came to my house the next day and they said, Rebecca, we met the man you're going to marry. And I said, hmm, I was 19 and I hadn't dated. So it was kind of like a weird thing for your older brother to totally be like, yep. We met him, and I'm like, how do you even know my type? I don't know, but he did. <laughs> so he set us up on a double date. So it was my brother, my sister-in-law, JJ and I, and I was very nervous. Um, as I said, he's four years older. Um, so it was like, I don't know. I was 19. It was like, okay, here's this guy. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to think, but JJ gave his testimony, um, and it was incredible um you'll have to ask him i will about that um but i really was impressed um that he was a great guy um he came home um we ended up playing um miniature golf and we brought my brother's children along which was a good icebreaker so we kind of just enjoyed i was like oh he's good with kids you know all this stuff yeah um we came back to the house and he got out his guitar and played some worship songs with my whole family and so that was amazing um and the next day we talked for five hours on the phone went back when phones like we actually talked and not texted um and then we had a date where we had to uh, um, have dinner with my parents so they could get to know him. Mm. And then we went out for coffee afterwards. And that conversation, um, he grilled me about my faith, my priorities, asked me about the sheep and the goats and all sorts of things. And that is what really impressed me because it wasn't like he was just dating around. He was like... He was serious. He was serious. And so that day we both knew we were going to get married Mm. so So. you've seen how much he took his fate seriously Mm -hmm. and that he was going to be a godly man and yes now i was i had just finished my freshman year of college so Mm -hmm. i still had three years (laughs) so um you know we got married a week after i graduated (laughs) which i don't really recommend yes but yes so we we did um so so you dated for them three and a half years or? Yep. I think what I find interesting is that normally it's the girl who grills the guy. Mm-hmm. He grilled her about mm-hmm. her faith, which when you really think about it in the order of things of God, he was literally taking his position in in a, in a sense of, okay, what is your faith? Because if your faith is not aligning with God, regardless of what he may feel, what he may believe, but mm-hmm. if it's not lining up with God, I can't be with you. That's pretty much, in mm-hmm. essence, what he was doing. And I, it, that is to be respected. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's actually that's kind of cool. That's 
Wow. And, yeah, I agree. That was what impressed me because I was like, oh, he's not just wanting to have he's a good not, time. Yeah. It was like, and and I I questioned his motives, <laughs> and then that was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, um, and my brother and sister in law always tease that. They are a hundred percent accurate at matchmaking, so they're not going to try again <laughs> because they're like, "Yep, we did it." Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. So, what are some of your favorite memories of the early years with him? Well, like I said, he was very romantic. We have, you know, we had a great um, courtship, um, and like I said, we did some traveling. Yeah. We just enjoyed. Um, dating we enjoyed married life um so he's obviously a musician we love going to concerts together Mm -hmm. um we went to creation many years as chaperones for um his friend's youth group which was a lot of fun um so we just have a lot of good good memories together awesome yeah so you're a mother Correct. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, how many biological kids do you have? I have two. Two. Justin, right. who is 20, and 20? Kayla, who is 18. Justin looks like his daddy, too. Mm-hmm. All right. And what do you love about being a mother? I think it's an awesome responsibility i have really enjoyed um homeschooling i mean i think i didn't go into motherhood thinking i'm gonna homeschool but there was a moment in time where um god really made it clear and really opened my heart up to um that i i've always had a desire to teach them spiritually Mm -hmm. but to teach them math was kind of like, really? (laughs) Were you able to to do it? Well, I am able to teach and to delegate. And that is part of my responsibility. So yes. And sometimes it takes, you know, whether it's scheduling or whether it's ability, you can Mm -hmm. say, how about we get a tutor? (laughs) How about we do this or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that has been truly an amazing part because some of, I, I think even my kids, what they would say is some of our best moments are mornings where we would get up, we'd clean the house together, we would have our devotions, we would talk about God, we would do our other work, and it was mm-hmm. just such a neat um, bonding experience for all of us. So. so your kids never been to public school? Oh, yes, they have. Oh, um, okay. In fourth and sixth grade is when we made the switch to homeschooling. Okay. And that was... Um, yeah, so I, it was a good, good thing. So, so that's part of my um, mothering moments. Some of my sweet yeah. memories of that are just that process of being with them and teaching them. I heard that you get up and you do your morning devotions together. That was really important to your family. To yes, and that was, um, but that, that those are some of the sweetest memories of my children and I and mm-hmm. and especially when other people are getting on the bus and it's snowy or something or like you're like ah we get to sit here on the couch and just Good. enjoy Jesus um, yep mm-hmm. that's awesome so how did you get involved into foster care and then we'll dive into this so part of my story growing up is that my parents um, decided to do foster care. Oh. So my grandfather, my father's father, um, his mother died during childbirth. Um, and so his father was left with four children, I believe. He couldn't take care of them all. Mm-hmm. And so literally my grandfather remembers at the age of three, um, a couple came to his house um, he met them and my, um, his father said, here's your suitcase. You're going to go live with these people. And so that was something, um, that stuck in my father's head. And so when they decided to do foster care, it was partly as a result of people taking care of his father. Mm. Um, 
So we did foster care growing up, and I believe my parents had about 45 children. 45. In and out of the house. Um, they did a lot of babies, but they did all ages for respite and different things like that. But we have many, many fond memories of the children that have come through our house. Yeah. Some of them um, we never ended up adopting, um, but many, like w we had a baby um, that came to us at nine days old and he was with us until 16 months. Mm. And then he was adopted. Uh, my mom still has contact with some of these wow. children and families, but that also, um, you know, goes into my experience um, because it wasn't like, oh, well, naturally I'm going to do foster care or adopt, um, but that's in there and in my heart. Yeah. Um, my brother, David, um, has five biological children and they decided to adopt. So they mm. adopted five. So they have 10 children. 10 children. And wow. we have many, many friends that have adopted. So my world <laughs> was very saturated. Taking care of the orphans. Yes. And that still didn't mean, oh, well, of course we're going to adopt. Um, I know we, JJ and I have talked about it. Um, you know, I know JJ will share, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman is one of his favorite artists and, you know, he's big on adoption. So I know we've heard, um, you know, talks about it and it's been on our heart, mm -hmm. but it wasn't until later that God actually spoke and said, now is the time. And I think that process um, was such, I shared um, about going through postpartum depression and, you know, I've had some health issues uh, along the years that, um, you know, we've wanted a big family and yet God has shut the door for that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, after I had Kayla, um, and then I had to come to terms with that yeah. and, and just saying, okay, God, like, you know, if this is what you want, we have two wonderful children. I am content with that. Um, and so that was my heart, um, just being okay with that. Now there was a, a point where I had all the baby clothes in my basement and yeah. it was like, okay. God's like, are you ready to give these up? And that was like, okay. And that was very emotional for me to just say, okay, I'm going to pass these on mm -hmm. and just trust that this is, you know, what God wants me to do. And I think even that was um, a step where God was just really allowing yeah. me to surrender that to him. And then my daughter, Kayla, you know, with this whole um, – homeschooling, you know, we're spending a lot of time together. And she says to me, mom, she, she came to JJ and I together. And she said, mom, you know, I've always wanted a little sister, you know, how old how, was she? She was about 14. Okay. 12, 14. Like she had mentioned this. Okay. Um, but she came to us and she said, um, how about we adopt? And my <laughs> response you know, and by this point, you know, it's like they're 12 and 14. You're yeah. like, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but JJ is his immediate response was yes. And I was like, I looked at him like, maybe we should talk about this before you tell our daughter. <laughs> yes. Um, but I said to her, you know, I'm really glad um, that you're you're bringing this up and that you said this. But. Um, I said, I just don't know that it's the right timing right now. I felt very overwhelmed with mm. homeschooling and teaching at the co-op and my health issues. I just felt like I just cannot even think about anything else. And she said, Mom, can you just pray about it? Mm. And I said, yes. <laughs> um, and honestly, um, God just used some circumstances where um, – we ended up not doing the co-op anymore, which freed me um, in my time to listen to some podcasts. And um, I ended up listening to a lot of Francis Chan. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am. 
but number one, you know, I, God just dealt with my heart on a mm-hmm. lot of things. And, you know, one of the things was just the rope illustration. And, you know, he stands at the front of, um, you know, at the pulpit and he has this long rope that just wraps around the whole entire sanctuary and out the back door. And he shows how there is a little bit of that rope that he's holding in his hand that has red on it and the rest is white. And he said, this is our life. And then we have all of eternity. And so many of us plan, okay, we're going to prepare, prepare, prepare for this part of the red Mm -hmm. or this part of the red. And we're not preparing for all of eternity. And that really just um, made me rethink, okay, my life, you know, Mm. all the things we do, you know, and even with homeschooling or ministry or anything, it, it can just be so momentary of what we're, a lot of busy work that we do. Um, and so just really just opening up, okay, what is going to count for eternity? Yeah, go on. And then he had spoken in another message about adoption because he had biological children and then they started adopting. And so the thing that, he, that stood out to me was don't worry about results, just worry about obedience. And that really um, was powerful to me because I am surrounded by adoption in my world. And yet a lot of it was very scary. Hmm. (laughs) And so what if I have a child that does that? What if this? What if this? And God was just like, what if? Like you're you're basing it on Mm -hmm. the results of that child's behavior of whatever. But if I call you to do something, you know, I'm going to help you in that. And um, I didn't mention, but when I was growing up, I had a sister, a foster sister um, named Tara, and she was with us for nine years. Mm -hmm. And we were very close. And she ended up, um, there was just a series of events that happened Um, And she ended up overdosing and Mm. passing away on her 25th birthday. And that um, God used because, you know, he he brought up Mm -hmm. Tara and he said to me, do you regret loving her? And that was like a knife in my heart because I love her (laughs) so much. How can you say that to me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And yet God was like, "Okay, was her life? successful by the world's standards? Um, And of course that answer is no. And yet I know that Tara is in heaven. I know that she accepted Christ. I know that there were so many things in her life that were obstacles from, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and that generational stuff and all those things. But it was like, you know, if you don't regret loving her, then, how can you not love these other people no matter how their life, you know, mm-hmm. trajectory goes? Yeah. Um, and so that I had to deal with in my own heart was the scariness of it. Um, and then my daughter, Kayla, um, was doing a book report. And because I am her teacher mm-hmm. that assigned it, yeah. <laughs> I had to like read it over and edit it and, um, And so she did a book um, by Katie Davis um, called Kisses from Katie. And it was about a girl that ended up having a heart for third world countries. And she came from a wealthy Christian family and said, Dad, I want to go, you know, on this mission trip. Mm -hmm. And her dad was like, oh, like, you're going to go to college and you're going to do this and um And she's like, no, I really feel like God is, you know, wants me to go here. And so she convinced her mom to come with her. Um, And she went for three weeks in Uganda and fell in love with the people um, and was also very struck by the poverty because she had grown up, you know, having everything she wanted. Yeah. Um, And they ended up asking her if she would come back and teach English for a year. So she did what her father wanted. You know, she had, you know, done college and she went back 
And this girl was just amazing to me. Um, as I'm reading my daughter's book report, it was like, oh my goodness, like it just puts you to shame <laughs> because mm -hmm. she ended up, um, there was a situation where there were two girls that were orphaned and they were living in their family's home, but it fell on the one girl and she had to go to the hospital. And if you don't pay for services, they will not treat you. And so um, here Katie is um, like, okay, well, I will, I will pay for her, you know, to be treated. Um, but she's meanwhile looking for, um, someone to take care of these kids. And God just speaks to her and says, you're their mom. And so she's 18 years old Wow! and she takes in these girls and over the course of the next few years, she takes in 14 girls as a single young woman. Wow. And, and so I'm reading her story and I'm just like, wow, like, and I complain about, you know, my little things. And I was so interested in her story that I looked her up um, on YouTube and was listening to her talk. And she was also sharing about her relationship with God throughout all this and just saying, you know, she was struggling because she said, God, like, here I am taking care of these children, but down the street, there's another child and they're starving and they're praying for someone to bring them food and, you know, take them in and they die. Like, how, how can this be? Mm -hmm. And God just spoke to her and said, you be faithful in the small things. I will be faithful in the big things. And I think that really spoke to me. And I think God had given me a sense of contentment in my family. Um, but God was saying, okay, right now I'm going to give you <laughs> that urgency to, to want what I want. And, and so it was like God saying, you're content in your, you know, your happy little family. But mm. what if there's a child that needs a home and you're too content <laughs> to, to take care of them? And so at that point, I felt that God was leading me to look on the internet. <laughs> and I looked up um, the SWAN network, uh, the yeah. statewide adoption mm -hmm. network for Pennsylvania. And I just started looking at children that need homes. Mm -hmm. And that was like really horrifying to me because I would say when I was looking, it was like 98% teenagers, maybe 2%, um, you know, special needs. It was, but it was scary. It was like, oh my goodness, like I can't even imagine mm -hmm. the need there. Um, but I just prayed, God, if there's a child that needs a home, help me to be open and there was a girl that I really just connected with, and she said she was a Christian. And it's like, okay, well, here's a child that's probably praying for a home. <laughs> um, and so I went to inquire. Um, she had a, a sister that also needed a home with her. And they said, well, you can't ask about these children without being approved first. Mm. And it was like, okay, so there was the hurdle. <laughs> and so when I went to my family, we were all in agreement and we decided we were going to go through the process to get approved just so we could find out about this girl. And turned out, so that was May 16th of 2019. And we went through all the process, the training, all the paperwork um, when we were approved in August. And at that point, when I went to call and find out about these girls, they said that they were already adopted, mm -hmm. which was like, okay, uh, what next? But I really do feel like um, there's nothing in vain. You know, I strongly know that God, you know, had me pray for those girls yeah. all the time in those months. And I might not know on this earth why, but I will know in heaven mm -hmm. why there was an urgency to pray for those girls. And I know that if they would have just said, you know, go through all this process when I'm already feeling overwhelmed, <laughs> um, it would have been like, you know, for an idea of adoption, it would have been like, oh, this is not worth it. But when you have a person in the end goal, 
you know, okay, I will do it for this person, Mm -hmm. right? That makes all the difference. So I think that was part of how God just used, okay, I have a face to um, what God is calling me to do. Um, And originally our our plan was maybe there are two teenage girls that need a home, and that's the stage of life we're in. Yeah. (laughs) So um, that seemed logical. Um, and then Kayla was like, but it would be fun to have a baby. And I said, okay, how about we do a baby through foster care? And if the, you know, and everyone wants a baby. So it's not like there's just babies all over the place. Right. But I said, okay, if there's a baby that needs a home, that would be a great experience for my children to learn how to be a parent through this. It's like another homeschool class. Right. Um, and I knew that if it came to needing to be adopted, I knew that we couldn't say no after having the baby in our home. But it was kind of this this risk, right? Like, okay, we'll we'll go for teens, but if there's a baby, sure, why not? Um, now, after we were approved, we ended up getting a call for respite, which is just giving another foster family a little break. Um, and so we were called about um, two siblings. And we said yes to that because in our um, thinking, respite is just a weekend, right? So we can say yes to anything and try it out and kind of get some experience. How is this going to be? So we said yes. We, of course, fell in love with the kids. Um, And then we got a call for another respite for their siblings. Mm -hmm. And we said, sure, now we know these guys. Of course, we want to get to know more about their family. So we said yes to them. And we found out um, eventually that both of them needed a a more permanent foster home. And so we took all four of them. And everyone said that they were going to need an adoptive home. So we were like, okay, like the plan was... (laughs) (laughs) teenagers or baby and I had literally told the caseworker but not the (laughs) in-between because (laughs) because I was like I'm homeschooling how in the world can I possibly manage you know like a baby you can kind of bring them with you I don't know but I really felt like I can't Mm -hmm. do all this crazy you know (laughs) ages which you know it is funny because God is she like, said, not God, the in is, between. God is like, all right, well, guess what you're getting? The in-between. <laughs> Four of them. So um, we ended up having them for a little over a year. And it was crazy because even though everyone kept saying, you know, you're going to end up adopting them and we were completely willing, um, it was very challenging. But we were just like, okay, like this is what God has um, the judge made a ruling saying they're going home mm. with parents. And yeah. that was, and literally from the courtroom. So that was heart wrenching. Yeah. I'm it sure. was just like, you think one thing's going to happen and nope. <laughs> um, so our family, you know, was all in and it was really hard. And I think, um, Kayla in particular, I think, you know, she was the one who initiated this whole thing. And it was like, God has answered my prayer. That's what I wanted to say. Uh, (laughs) It's if we back, you said that you wanted more kids and Mm -hmm. it didn't happen the way that you wanted. And then your daughter says, let's adopt a baby Mm -hmm. or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just hear how. He has used your daughter, Kayla, and be persistent about it towards you. Mm-hmm. And how you were able to see it in a new lens of changing your attitude and preparing for eternity and that kind of, mm-hmm. it sounded that that motivated you for why to adopt or foster because you knew that was God's possibly God's will for you and the uh, being obedient. Yeah. And I think even beyond, I mean, you can homeschool and feel like you're teaching your kids all yeah. these things, but this is an entirely different level of yeah. learning 
and really being exposing yourself to those hard, hard things in life um, and losing. <laughs> um, and, and so I, and, and really giving yourself, I think there's um, a book that I read that is amazing. It's called Reframing Foster Care, Filtering Your Fostering Parent Journey Through the Lens of the Gospel by Jason Johnson. And there's a line in it that says, um, foster care is much less about getting a child for your family and much more about giving your family for a child. Mm. And that resonates tremendously because I think, yeah. And I said at Malachi's adoption, it's like you think, oh, we're getting a child. This is wonderful. What a blessing. But the journey in that was so much about gaining and losing <laughs> and and there was so much more um just heartache in that and yet that's also part of where we learn and where we see god working yeah and but that is really true it is about mm -hmm. giving your family yeah i was going to ask what was that again foster I, care no that line yeah. giving what, what? Foster care is much less about getting a child for your family mm -hmm. and much more about giving your family for a child. I'm going to, after this, okay. have write it down because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. So you would say you were taking kids into your home since 2019, correct? Mm -hmm. So four years. And did have you adopted any children since? So, like, do you have a permanent adoption? So those four siblings went back okay. December thirty uh, first of twenty twenty. Yes. And then we had um, about two months where we were just <laughs> recovering, um, and and then we said, okay, we're ready to get a new call, mm -hmm. um, and we got a call for Bella. Okay. Um, would you take her for respite? And so respite, sure, why not? <laughs> um, and, you know, as I learned her story when she was with us, uh, it was hard to believe. Mm. I didn't know, is this real? Is this made up? Um, I called the caseworker and they said, yep, that's, that's her story. And mm. um, I know... Time and time again, I told you that if the goal is a child, that is far more um, persuasive than if the goal is for an idea. And so over and over when they would text me and say, do you want this child? And these are the behaviors and this is this and this is this. Um, it is hard to say no, but it's also easier to say no when you don't know that child. Mm -hmm. When you meet children, it is like God just uses that to be like, this is the person you're saying no to. Yeah. Um, and so um, we were unaware, but Bella needed a home. And so that transition happened because we met Bella and we said yes. So she was your first... So, adoption no or you she was previously adopted okay and it was not a good situation oh okay and so there's definitely uh fears you know that whole experience that she's had mm -hmm. keeps her from truly you know, she wants to be adopted but yet it's hard and she's, so so we've she's been with us for two years now two years and then um a month after that, um, but even before we got Bella, we were pursuing um, a sibling group, mm -hmm. um, and it was for Malaysia and her sister Marcy. And we were like, well, if we take Bella, are we still able to get these other girls? Like, it was kind of that thing, and that they said, yep, that's fine. Um, and... Then we, they told us um, they didn't have the information yet mm -hmm. about these girls, so we're kind of waiting on this. But they said, there's a little boy, there's a brother that we think is for, you know, a sibling. 
do you want the baby? And so we said, well, yeah, sure. We want to keep them together. Yeah, and you get your baby. Right. So um, meanwhile, we had gotten so many calls. We There were probably seven babies that they asked if we wanted, um, and they were all baby girls. Mm-hmm. And we said yes, and then they would say, oh, no, like they're going to someone else, or this is happening, this is happening. So there was a huge series of, do you want a baby? Okay, <laughs> never mind. Do you want a baby? Never mind. Um, which I'm just saying that was very unexpected in um, this journey is the emotional roller coaster of preparing for, you know, you say yes to something and you end up, you know, it doesn't turn out the way mm. you think. And so it's just like, you know, you're, you know, when you get pregnant and you have nine months to prepare, that's one thing. But when they say, do you want a baby today? You're like frantic, your mind is there. And then all of a sudden it's like. How had, how has that drawn you closer to relying on the Lord Jesus to get you through that? Well, I'm going to back up a little bit. Okay. Um, I told you I had had some health issues. Mm-hmm. And when I had the four siblings, mm-hmm. unexpectedly, I ended up having a miscarriage. Oh. And that was like a mixture of like, I didn't know I could get pregnant. <laughs> Yay. But yet immediate loss mm. in that. Um, and Kayla was there with me and the, all the kids were there with me, which was also, um, you know, honestly, that gave me another opportunity to share that my baby is in heaven. Um, so it was a really neat experience, even though it was kind of like, okay, God, why right now? Like, it just was kind of a crazy situation, but they actually had gone to their parents and said, um, are you going to heaven when you die, Daddy? And that kind of upset them. Um, but yet I was so proud of them for just Your being foster- bold and wow. being willing. Like, cause wow. it really did make an impression on them, even though they're young. Yeah. But it was like, oh, yeah, there is life after so, death. So God, fast forward. That situation yes. just for them children yes. to go to their yes. original, mm-hmm. yep. their mm-hmm. biological parents mm-hmm. to share that question that's powerful so meanwhile i have a miscarriage then we're in the part of the placement and we're asking do you want a baby do you want a baby do you want a baby Mm -hmm. right and it's just like um you know you're asking about god in that because it's like Mm -hmm. i had really closed myself off Mm -hmm. (laughs) to having a baby because it was like no i'm content you know like i'm fine Um, And then it was like God stirring something up in me. And I think that was pretty just interesting to me because I think God used my miscarriage to be like, oh, no, like you're not that old. (laughs) And Uh, like, you know, I can if I want you to get pregnant, I could get you, you know, (laughs) pregnant and and just. um, Wow. But it stirred that in me, and it was something where I have to be content in whatever God has, right? So it's like it's the answer's not in a baby, it's not in this, you know, it's it's truly in God. And so, but as I would continue to do that, it was just so interesting um, because there was that spark in me that was like, wow, like why is God, you know, allowing me to mm-hmm. to see this and and mourn. <laughs> Um, but then it was like, literally Malachi came to us when my baby would have been born. So it was just like God saying, here, I have this gift for you. Perfect timing. Crazy, right? Yeah. That's 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 my little dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That, I mean, it was just like, he gives, he takes away, Mm -hmm. but blessed be the name of the Lord. And just, you know just seeing how the timing was in that. So we get Malachi, um, which I believe was also (laughs) um, just amazing in God's timing when Bella had just come. And I think Bella felt um, 
I'm the only oddball, right? Like we have biological children and I'm the only one that's not related by blood. Um, and when Malachi came, it was like, oh, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And she had a really hard time trusting after what she had been through. But it was like, Malachi, you know, you're not going to let me down. <laughs> it was just God using that baby for her to attach to our family. She's close with Malachi. Yes, oh, yes, is yes, she yes. close? Oh, every time you <laughs> see her, she's got Malachi on her head. She won't That's... put the boy down. Yeah, she loves him dearly. And so that was just it. And, but yet, you know, I just think about that black and white um, do you want um, someone that's been through all these things? You know, and if you would have asked, do you think you could handle that? I would have mm-hmm. said no. Yeah. And then do you want a baby on top of that? <laughs> you know, like while you have all these other things going on, I would have said no. But yet God just allowed those circumstances to happen in a way that it was like, okay, well, he turned my no into a yes. He turned my no into a yes. Um, and just seeing... You know, that, that wouldn't have been my plan necessarily, and yet God just really um, blessed everyone in that. I have a question, and, and it's some people will say it's the elephant in the room, but <laughs> this is the hard question. Do you find people looking at you strangely when you have Malachi? Because outside of Utah, you don't see white families adopting black children utah and pennsylvania is the one place that i've noticed that the diversity is more open compared to a lot of places do do you have issues with that no i'm just asking because i'm curious about that i in going through this process um i think it's so interesting because you have kayla and justin who look just like jj and i Mm -hmm. and then you have bella and you know it's sweet because she's always asking, do I look like you? Like when we go into a doctor's office or other things, because she wants to belong. She mm. doesn't want mm-hmm. to stand out. Um, and so I think God blessed her with um, the ability that she can fit in easily. Now you have Malachi and obviously, you know, it would be a stretch to think that he's my son. Um biologically. However, I think it's so neat because you have um, children that are biological that um, reflect your image. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. But with Malachi, I love it because it reflects another part of me. I was going to say reflects your love. And and even my story, because I mentioned about that little boy that we had growing up that we have such fond memories of, and he was a mixed baby. I just thought he was the most adorable baby in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like just sweetness. I loved him. And the fact that God knew he was going to give me Malachi it was just um, incredible to me. Like it constantly is like, wow, God, like you knew a desire of my heart that I wasn't seeking um, adoption even, but it was like, God was like, I know the gift that I have for you. And so part of, you know, God's love for me and how he speaks to me is so much through Malachi. Like just, it's overwhelming for me to think that, He chose him out of all the babies, Mm -hmm. out of all the children. And it's it's like, wow, God, you did awesome. (laughs) You know, it's one thing I noticed, though. One, I had no idea Bella was adopted until today. I had no idea. I honestly thought she was your biological kid. I didn't know. However, Malachi, when I see him, he fits. That's weird to say, but he fits. It's not like, oh, that's Malachi, the adopted kid. Mm-hmm. But when I look at him, all I see is Malachi Sook. This this kid fits. He just, 
because of the like I said the love that is reflected from them mm-hmm. he doesn't seem the oddball out and everybody loves this kid i'm his like unofficial <laughs> godparent i'm his protector i told him mm-hmm. says you come to me kid i got your back don't you worry about a thing yeah and, and, and when he heard you on the phone he smiled because he, he knows yeah, your voice he knows how my old, voice now yeah. how old is he he just turned two turned two and you're his mom yeah he's gonna yeah. that's all he knows it doesn't i know it matter is. what we look like right. it's he's gonna he senses your love yeah. and i i've been thinking too a lot about how a lot of times adopted or adoptive parents will say to their adopted child i chose you out of all the children oh yeah that's however i feel like all the situations we went through i mean yes they say will you take this child and we say yes but there's not a book or a catalog that you go through and you say which child do you want and in fact it's like god okay we're pursuing one thing and another thing happens and really it's like no god chooses just the same as Mm -hmm. genetics and he gave us our biological children out of all the possible you know scenarios it's like this whole adoption process is god choosing Mm -hmm. for us that we like we don't know all the children in the world we don't know what is best for us but god does yeah he knows all the possible outcomes and we can trust him in that and mm-hmm. you know the same though as a biological child you don't choose your parents right like there's just yeah. so little choice in things and yet god knows and god chooses and he knows the best for us so i just got a couple quick questions before we close because we're running out of time and i know we could sit here forever and keep on going there's a lot more here and i'd love to sit down and talk more but how many children have you been able to foster in your home since you started so we had the set of four. Okay, four. And they came twice. Okay. Um, and then we also had Malaysia, who is Malachi's half-sister. Right. Um, and she's no longer in our home, but yeah. she's adopted um, locally. Right. Um, and then we've had Bella and Malachi. So Awesome. I mean, being able to have that impact in them children's lives, I know they've probably heard the gospel heard who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. and outside of that, I'm sure you and JJ shared the love of Christ Mm -hmm. with them children, and I'm sure they will never forget that. And that's the blessing and the beauty you were able to plant them seeds. And, like, we don't understand why the things happen the way they do, but I'm sure you've been through heartaches through that, and... We could talk about that, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, what would you encourage those that are looking to get into foster care? What What would you say? I think that we got into foster care and adoption with eyes wide open because we knew, mm-hmm. you know, the heartaches of it. But you can't possibly. <laughs> um, it just is beyond. Um, but yet God um, equips you and he gives us um, the support of those around us. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, so many people say, I couldn't do that because yeah. I'd, I'd get too attached. And mm-hmm. that whole concept, um, it's like if you wouldn't get attached there's a problem yeah (laughs) and they need you to get attached Mm -hmm. if you you know wall yourself off that is not in their best interest and so and there is the grief that happens when you do lose Mm. and that is real there's also trauma when you take in children um it's not a smooth easy ride and that you have to brace yourself um, that God will help you through that because it's a different family dynamic. It is hard. It is not an easy road, uh, but it is worth it. And it's God purifying us, you know, on so many levels. Um, but as well for people that 
um, you know, I, I believe God is calling many people to adopt or to do foster care. But um, I think for those that can support mm-hmm. um, praying for um, these families, for these children, um, doing respite, helping in that way, um, doing acts of service. You know, I had the U-turn come and help with yard work. Um, and then also um, sending <laughs> encouragement through promises, mm. um, just God's promises, his, his yeah. word to encourage. That has been wonderful um, because I know I couldn't do it without the support of those um, in my my friends and family. Um, and I think so many people think you have to be this perfect family to adopt or to do foster care. And you don't, um, you know, we're all flawed and yet God will use flawed people to do his work. You guys have the Holy spirit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I thank you for sharing some of your story and some of these things that you were able to talk about. Uh, I hope that this blesses those that listen and you can look forward next week. We will, God willing, hopefully we can sit with JJ and hear his side and hear his story, hear his testimony, but then also in the future to sit with Rebecca and JJ to talk about marriage and the tough situations of being foster parents. So you guys can look forward to hearing that in the future. So I thank you, Rebecca, again, for sharing these things. Mike, would you want to pray us out? Yes. Father God, we just want to thank you for this time and just to, just to know you're sovereign, Lord, just to see what you're doing on a daily basis in Rebecca and JJ's life. And I just pray that you continue to bless their home, Lord. And, and mm-hmm. you know, like she said earlier, little Malachi is having problems sleeping, Lord, and I just pray that you would give him good sleep, good rest, Lord, and just heal him, whatever's going on with him. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we just lift all this up in your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.